Father, that's why we, we come here to worship together as your people each week. It's another opportunity to, to kind of pull our eyes back and to remind us of who you are and what you've done. And so, Father, that's why we come to your word as well. We, we want to hear you speak to us. We want to be reminded of, of who you are and, and what you've done and what you're doing in our lives. And so, Father, we pray that you would speak to us now through your word as we turn to to Psalm 130, you would speak clearly and powerfully to each one of us. And we know that each one of us come with different things on our mind, the different things that could distract us from hearing what you have to say. And Father, we just pray that, that you would do a work and that you would, you would push all of that off to the side, clear our hearts and clear our minds so that we could truly and clearly hear you this morning. And we ask that you would speak. And so, Father, we pray that you would open our ears to hear our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, this morning we're looking at Psalm 130. So if you have your Bibles with, you can turn to Psalm 130 and follow along. It's a pretty short one. It's eight verses, I think. Otherwise, we'll have the psalm up on the screen and you can read along with us there. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there's forgiveness, therefore you are feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Well, Rachel and I were watching a, a movie the other night. It was We don't actually watch many of these, but every once in a while we'll watch a war movie. And we were watching this movie, and at the beginning of the battle, there's one platoon sees the enemy, and they run off after the enemy into the woods. And after they get kind of pulled away from the rest of the group, they realize that they're surrounded by enemy forces. And all of a sudden, they're taking heavy fire from all sides, and they have to kind of get down, take cover, take a defensive position, and they immediately got on the radio and were radioing for help, saying, we need backup, we need backup, you got to come, you got to get us. Um, but the problem was, a whole rest, every other platoon was also taking heavy fire, and they said, we can't get to you now. You just have to wait. And the battle keeps raging on, and they keep taking fire, and enemies attacking them from every side, and the sun starts to go down, and it's starting to get dark, and they, they radio back in, and they say, when are you going to send people? We need support. And they said, too dark for a rescue mission. You've got to wait till morning. Morning will be there. And so here you have this platoon. I, I just can't imagine what it would be like to be in that spot. You're, you're laying on the ground. You're in a defensive position. You're being trapped. You have the enemy attacking you from every side, shooting at you from every side. And then it's pitch black outside, and they're, they're sneaking up from every angle, trying to catch you off guard. And that's happening all night long. 
they're on edge. You know, every little twig that snaps, they're freaking out. They're looking around, and, and they're just kind of trying to hold on until morning. You know, they're, they're constantly looking around for an enemy to attack, and they're constantly keeping their eyes on the horizon thinking, when the sun comes up, help is going to be on the way. And, and it's kind of the, the feeling I get from the psalmist in, this, in the psalm this morning, because he starts off, he says, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. He, like, the psalmist feels like he's in the deepest, darkest parts of the earth, where there's no light, there's no oxygen, he can hardly breathe, there's nowhere for him to turn except one place, and that's to his God. And so he says, I, I, hear my voice, Lord, let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. And so uh, he's, not just, he's not just praying to God. He's not just talking to God. He's crying out to God. I don't know if you've been there before where you're literally, physically just crying out to God for mercy, saying, help. I've got nothing. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn. I'm just stuck. Help. I feel like I'm being attacked from all sides I need your help. And and then he says that sin has something to do with his struggle. He says, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, if you should mark sins, O Lord, who could stand? And so it's interesting because he doesn't really tell us what sin has kind of led him away from God down this path into the depths of the earth. But there's something there that has led him away and led him down into this path of darkness where he's crying out for mercy from God, but, but he also knows that God is showing him a level of mercy already in this. He said, Lord, if you actually gave me what I deserved for this sin, there's no way I could stand. But here I am standing, crying out to you for mercy because I know you're still being merciful to me even in this. I, I know that if you gave me what I deserved, I would be crushed. But you haven't. You're, you're showing me mercy. And so he says... Because I know this about you, I'm going to wait. Um, which is, it's an incredible thing for us to think about what that looks like in our life. I mean, we've all had to be there before where, where you're in the depths, where you're in the darkness, where you, you can't see around you, feel like you can hardly breathe, and then you're left waiting He says, I wait for the Lord, but he also says, he does more than just wait for the Lord. He says, My soul waits, which is very different than just waiting. Um, You know, there's two different types of waiting. Uh, There's a fake waiting, and then there's a real waiting. So an example of fake waiting is what you will often see in my house from me on a Sunday morning trying to get to church, where I'm announcing to our whole family, I'm waiting. (laughs) Just so you know, I'm I'm waiting. (laughs) And and you're trying to say... (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> you're trying to say, like, on the outside, you're pretending like you're waiting, but your fingers are doing this, your toes tapping, you're maybe kind of shaking a little bit. Um, like, that's not actual waiting. <laughs> that's fake waiting. Um, that, that's a waiting that's trying to kind of separate your body from your soul, right? The, the outside is waiting, but the inside, there's no waiting going on. Um, but what the psalmist says, he's waiting 
and his soul is waiting. Like he's waiting for God, body and soul. And that's different. He's not sitting there, God, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, come on, what, what's the deal? He says, actually, I'm, I'm waiting, and my soul is at rest, and my soul is at peace, even in the depths of darkness. Um, that's, that's really, really powerful. Uh, Calvin said this, he said the prophet or the psalmist, he trusted in God even with the deepest affections of his heart. From this we also gather that he was not only patient and constant in the sight of man on the outside, but even in the inward feelings of his heart, he had maintained quietness and patience before God, which is a very evident proof of faith. Just a reminder that the only way our soul can truly learn how to wait is by faith. It's by faith in our God. Otherwise, it's always this fake waiting where the outside is waiting, but the inside is not waiting at all. But through faith, our soul can learn how to wait. And, and in the midst of all of this waiting, you know, this whole Advent season is teaching us from the Psalms how, how do we respond? How do we learn how to wait? And so last week, you know, the psalmist was talking about being under the discipline of God, being burdened by the consequences of his sin, being mocked by those around him. And the question was, how do you wait in that? And we said, rest in God, rest in Jesus Christ, pray to the God who answers, and then wait in faith. And so this psalm's close, but it's different. It's what do you do? How do you learn how to wait when you feel like you're in the depths of darkness and you can see nothing around you? and you feel hopeless, and you're crying out for mercy. How, how, do, you, how do you wait in that? And, and on the one hand, the answer is you do the same thing <laughs> that you did last week. You rest in Jesus Christ, you pray to the God who answers, and you walk in faith. But, but this passage gives us another thing to do as part of our waiting, and that's read your Bible. Because um, he says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for the Lord. And in his word, I hope. Um, that's, you know, hope is what gives us strength to truly wait. And hope is what, what helps our soul find rest, isn't it? We, we have hope. We know something's coming. We know something's coming on the horizon. We have hope so we can wait and, and we can rest for that. And so he says, I have this hope. I have a hope that, that when I cry out to my God for mercy, he hears me and he's going to grant me mercy. I have, I have hope, he already said. I have hope that, that my God will forgive my sin. I have hope in all of these things. And that's what gives him this strength to keep waiting. And for, it gives his soul this ability to find peace and wait. Um, but he knows all of those things because he's read about them in God's Word. Because God's Word has revealed to him who God is and what he has done. And when he comes to God's Word, he's reminded over and over again, this is who my God is. This is what my God does. And therefore, he finds hope and strength to keep on waiting. And so, you know, part of, part of waiting is resting in Christ, bringing our prayers to the God who answers, reading our Bible, waiting in faith. And, you know, 
for, for some of you, you, you've grown up in the church your whole life. You, you've probably heard pastors and parents and Sunday school teachers tell you, read your Bible every day. That's what Christians do. This is what we're supposed to do. And that's, that's true, um, but we don't just read it because that's what Christians do. We read our Bible to live, to find hope, to find strength, to find endurance, to live. Because every time you crack open your Bible and, and you read it, you're going to learn two things. You're going to learn who God is, and you're going to learn what God has done and is doing. The whole Bible is that. This is who our God is. This is what He's done. This is what He's doing. This is what He will do. And, and every time you read your Bible and, and you're reminded of those things, you're reminded, oh, this is who my God is for me now, in this moment. This is what God has done in the past. This is what God's going to do for me now in the darkness. And as you do that, it springs up hope and strength to be able to, to wait. And, and it gives us hope, and it gives us this ability to wait, body and soul. And, and the power of this is, is that it's not just some, I'll call it a fluffy hope. Right? I, I listen to people talk about things like, well, I, I hope this is going to happen someday, and I hope, and they're hoping for things, but they have really no reason to hope for them, right? Which is really no hope at all. Um, and that's not the hope that God's Word talks about all the time. God's Word talks about a hope that is rooted and grounded in who our God is and what He's done. It's built on that foundation. We have hope because we know this is who our God is. This is what He's done in the past. This is what He's promised to do for me. Therefore, I have hope. And we read that at the end of the psalm, the psalmist says, Israel, he's saying this from the depths of darkness. Israel, hope in the Lord. And then he says, for, the F-O-R, this is the reason, this is the ground, the foundation for his hope. He says, with the Lord there is steadfast love. With the Lord is plentiful redemption. And the Lord will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. That's why he has hope. He knows these three things about his God. Where does he know those things? From his word. That's where he has hope. He says, I know that my Lord is a God of steadfast love. Why? Because I've read it about him in his word over and over, and I've experienced that in my life. How do I know that our God is a God of plentiful redemption? I've read about it in his word, and I've seen him do it throughout his people, for, you know, throughout history. How do I know that my God will redeem our iniquities? I've read about it in his word, and I've watched him do it. And so... Understanding who God is and what He's done is, is what has given him hope and strength to wait in life. And, and that's how he has that hope. He can be in the darkness, right? He can be like that kind of platoon, trapped, being fired on from all sides, no way out, waiting for redemption, salvation to come. And he can be in that situation and he can wait body and soul because he's read his Bible and he knows who his God is and he knows what his God has done. And it's a reminder for us, um, you know, I, I ask, I always want us to make these things personal in, in a way and, and ask ourselves, like, is that where we turn when we find ourselves in darkness? Um, do you say, 
oh, it's really dark right now in my life. I'm, I feel like I'm in the depths. I better open my Bible. Um, I, I, don't, I don't find that much. It's a, it's a hard, it's, I don't know what it is, but it's a hard thing for us to get. I, we often, I think our natural instinct is to kind of, I'm, I'm in the depths of darkness. I need to find someone else, another person to come along and help me. And that's good. That's not bad. But they will let you down. Or we see people turn to substances, right? We see people turn to work or, or play or whatever. There's a lot of things that we can do to kind of try to distract us from being in the darkness. And that's where we often turn. But, but I don't hear many people say, boy, I am in the pit. I am deep, deep in the darkness. I better open my Bible and start reading it. And I better keep reading my Bible until I know who, until I'm reminded who my God is, until I'm reminded what He's done in my life and He's doing in my life. And I'm going to keep reading this thing until hope is stirred up within me, until strength is renewed in me, until I'm able to actually wait for my God, body and soul, in this darkness. Um, because I think it's, I think it's absolutely essential if we're going to learn how to properly wait when we're in the darkness. We have to be reading our Bibles in the darkness. Have to be. Um, We also have to be reading our Bibles when it's light out. (laughs) When, When the sun's shining. When life is good. Why? For one, you should be praising God for the sun shining and the light out. But to tie it into this message, you need to be preparing for the moment when the darkness is going to come. Um, because it will come. Like every one of us will face a moment when you will be able to read Psalm 130 and say, yeah, I'm in the depths, I'm in the darkness, I'm crying out to my God for mercy. What do I do? Well, you wait, but you have to have God's Word in your heart kind of preparing you for that moment. And you have to do that ahead of time. Um, I, don't remember, I don't remember who it was. Somebody had told me really early on in my ministry, they said, part of your job as a pastor is to prepare people to suffer. That's your job. I'm like, oh, that sounds exciting. But it is exciting because when you start preparing people to suffer, you get to see people endure suffering through hope and faith in God. And you can see them be able to endure that because they, you've taught people how to look to God, how to rest in Him, and find faith in Him and do that. But, but you don't get to learn that, like you don't want to learn that in the darkness. You want to learn how to do that before the big game, before the moment of trial comes. You have to be training and practicing that, which is why you'll hear me say we need to be reading our Bible every single day because we are all including your pastor. We're all very forgetful people. Um, And you can be like me and spend your whole life studying the Bible and studying who God is, and you can still forget who He is when you're in the darkness until you crack open your Bible and you read it and you're like, yep, I needed to be reminded of that today. And so you need to do that over and over again. And, And I can tell you, you know, one sermon a week from your pastor, even if it's even if it's a good sermon, not, even if it's a really good one, not enough. Um, you need your, your, need your daily bread. Every day you need to crack that open and be reminded of who God is and what He's done. Otherwise, you'll never be able to truly wait 
in the darkness. So if, you're, if things are going good in your life now, start training yourself to be able, when, the, when that rough time hits, you need to be able to really know who your God is. Grab hold of that, and it'll stir your soul to, it'll stir your soul to wait and give you strength. But you still have to wait. Um, even while you're resting in Christ, right, even while you're praying to the God who answers, even while you're reading your Bible, you still have to wait. Um, they all strengthen us to wait, and they all teach us to wait differently. And that's one of the really beautiful things from this psalm is uh, he's waiting, and he's waiting differently. He says, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. He says, I'm putting my hope in God's Word. I'm praying to my God, and I'm waiting like a watchman waiting for the morning. My eyes are on the horizon. I know the sun comes up every morning. I know the light breaks through into the darkness, and I know my God will come. And so I wait with that hope and with that confidence that God's light will break into his darkness. And, and it's waiting like that platoon, right? They're, they're surrounded, they're being fired on, and, and they're kind of anxious about when the next shoe's going to drop, but they're constantly keeping their eyes on the horizon knowing when the sun comes up, salvation is coming. They don't know when it's going to come. They've probably lost all sense of time. It feels like they've been there forever, but their eyes are on the horizon and they're not wondering if the cavalry is coming at sunrise. They know when the sun comes up, help is on the way. And for us, that's how we wait as God's people. We don't look to the horizon wondering if or wondering whether God's light's going to break in. It's when's it going to come. It may not come when you want it to come, but it's going to come. And you keep looking. You keep waiting for the sun to start peeking over the horizon. Um, I, I really think that's how God's people waited um, for the Messiah. All right? I, think, I think God's people, we talked about last week, they had been in this, they called it the, like a 400 years of silence. And some would call it maybe like a 400 years of darkness because God's word wasn't being brought in. And, and so they were, they were waiting and they were waiting for the Messiah. And how were they able to wait? Well, because they knew God's Word. They knew God had promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It may have been 400 years. I mean, imagine that. America's 250 years old. <laughs> right? God hadn't spoken to His people for 400 years. And they said, but God has promised He will never leave us nor forsake us, so we will wait. And they had read God's Word, and they knew that God had promised, I'll send you a prophet that's better than Moses. I'll send you a priest that's better than Aaron. I'll send you a king that's better than David. I'll, there's a child that's going to be born one day. He's going to be born of a virgin. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. That's the Messiah. They knew that, even though they couldn't see it, even though it felt like they were in darkness, they held on to the promises of God, and they said, well, wait. And we'll wait in hope. And we'll keep our eyes on the horizon, not wondering if the Messiah is going to come, but wondering when He's going to come, because we know He's coming. And it's the same for us today, right? We, we, Christ has come. He's lived. He's died. He's rose again. He, he's building up His church. But we know that He's promised to come 
again. And so how do we wait in this life, waiting for Him to come again? Well, we wait the same way that, that God's people have always waited. By holding on to God's Word in faith. And, and even when we feel like we're in the depths or when we're trapped or when we're being attacked from all sides, we, we feel like our hope is failing, like our strength is f- uh, fading away, we look to God's Word and we grab hold of His promises and we wait. Say, we know You've promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus, You promised us that, that You've overcome the world. You take heart. Oh, I've overcome the world. He's, he's promised us that He will give us everything we need for life and godliness. And so we grab hold of those promises and we say, we'll wait. Our, my soul will wait. My body will wait. You, you've promised you'll forgive our sins. You've promised that you're a God of steadfast love and faithfulness. You've promised you're a God of plentiful redemption. And so we wait. And we allow those promises to give us hope and strength. And then we wait with our eyes on that horizon, saying, I know he's coming. I don't know when. It's not if or whether he comes, it's when. So when is he coming? And we keep looking forward to that day. And, you know, I think, I think sometimes we think that waiting is this passive thing. <laughs> like, I'm just going to sit on my butt and do nothing and wait. And, and biblically, I don't think that's true. Uh, waiting is like a battle. It, it's, it's a fight. Um, we don't, it requires a level of action, but appropriate action. So we always want to like take things into our own hands, but usually the action we have to take in waiting is letting go. And so waiting, like we wait and we pray. We wait and we read our Bible, right? And, and those are the actions that we take to fight, to learn how to wait body and soul, how to find peace in our souls as we're waiting. And so as we wait, we're going to find anxiety, right? We've talked about that this morning. Anxiety is going to start creeping up inside of us, feeling like it's going to suffocate you. You don't just sit there and wait and hope it goes away. You take action. You take that anxiety and you say, I'm giving it to the Lord. I'm going to lay this at his feet. I I can't do anything about this. I'm going to take it. Lord, here, this is yours. And then guess what? It's going to come again. And you're like, ah, here, Lord, here's some more anxiety. You just keep giving it to him as you wait, and then you begin to wait in your soul. Or, or you keep waiting and you feel like your strength is failing and your hope is fading. You crack open your Bible and you say, I'm going to keep reading this thing until I'm reminded who my God is, until I'm reminded what he's done, and I keep reading it until I feel hope stirring up within me until I feel strength beginning to come into my bones until I feel like I can actually start to wait on my God, body, and soul. Um, You also keep reading until it changes where you're looking. Um, When we wait often, we're kind of looking down. And and I want to encourage you, keep reading your Bible until you feel hope stored, until you feel strength in your bones, until you feel your eyes lifted up from the ground, until you start looking to the horizon. Not wondering whether God will come in and his light will break into your darkness, but wondering, when's he coming? I know he's coming when, and I will wait until he comes. Let's come to God in prayer.
Father, we come before you unbelievably grateful um, for your word and for the promises that you've given us. Father, I don't know how I would live. We don't know how we would live in this world without those promises, without an understanding of who you are and what you've done. Um, and we're thankful for that, and we're thankful for just the gift that you've given us. Um, but Father, we also recognize that we, we often forget. We're a forgetful people. We, we don't remember who you are, what you've done. We, we, we kind of wander off, try to take matters into our own hands. We, we try to deal with our anxiety ourselves. We try to, try to stir up strength from within ourselves rather than from resting in you. And Father, we just ask your forgiveness for that. Father, we know that we can only truly wait and find hope and strength in you. And so we ask you to forgive us for looking in all the wrong places for those things. But Father, we also ask that, that your spirit would work in us and, and renew us and, and stir hope within us and strength within us. And, and ultimately, Lord, that the spirit would remind us of who you are and would remind us of what you've done and are doing and will do in our lives. And Father, as we, as we leave from here and go out into the world and and feel it under attack and feel in darkness at times, Father, we, we pray that your Spirit would continue to pull our eyes back to you and pull our minds and our hearts and our souls back to you, reminding us of who you are and what you've done. And Father, may your Spirit work to, to help us to truly wait on you, body and soul, uh, wait with our eyes on the horizon, wondering when it is you're going to come. And all God's people said, Amen.